Hello, this is the Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of the Tribe Lagos. The Tribe Lagos is a gospel expression based in the city of Lagos, committed to reaching the next generation with the message of God's love and grace. May this refresh and revive you as you listen. Good to see you guys. Um, it's been an interesting series. Today we're starting something um, I want you guys to... It's going to be a two-part or three-part, but it's, um, it's what I call profiles of courage. So we're going to be looking at the life of Joseph. Because in this season, one of the prophetic words we've been echoing is that God is going to give you a dream or call you to carry a dream. And understanding the patterns of God and how God initiates a dream in our hearts and how that dream takes us through a journey, we find the life of Joseph as very, very central to that experience. Okay, so we're going to start from um, Genesis. Anybody with a mic, you can help us. So we're starting from Genesis 37. And in this particular scripture, we're going to see the life of Joseph. And um, it's going to be a bit of a read. If we read from, we read the first four verses. Who has a mic? The first four verses. Yes. And NLT amplified. Anyone is fine. Genesis 37 from verse 1. Okay, that's fine. Then 7 verse 1. So Jacob dwelt in the land in which his father had been a stranger and a sojourner in the land of Canaan. This is the history of the descendants of Jacob. And this is Jacob's land. Just that when he was 17 years old, was shepherding the flock with his brothers. The land was with the sons of Ulema and the desired path. His father separately wise, and Joseph brought to his father a man in Jerusalem. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he named him his dating But when his brothers saw that their father loved Joseph, Okay, let's read five. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told his brother, and he needed him still more. He said to them, I want us to fast track to 18, 19, and then we'll, wrap, we'll hold it up at 20. So from 18 to 20. To another. Look, here comes the dreamer. Great. Okay. I want us to pick a scripture. If we go to Genesis 39, let's do two. I'll read Genesis 39, 2 says, Then the Lord was with Joseph, and even he, even though a slave, became a successful and prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. If we read down in 39 and we go all the way to 21, you hear again, But the Lord was with Joseph, and extended loving kindness to him, and gave him favor in the sight of the wording. Now, the story of Joseph is a very interesting one. The reason is, if you understand the dynamics of the family, you will understand why he was the hated child. First of all, he was the only child of the favorite wife. And when you keep that in context, any, anybody grew up in a polygamous home here? Anyone? Oh, you're so perfect. 
Anyone grew up in a polygamous home? Anyone? This is so interesting. Good. But if you if you actually grew up in a polygamous home, there is always tension. Now, his mother was the favorite wife. And Joseph didn't do Jacob, on the other hand, was didn't do so well in hiding his favoritism. First of all, you remember at some point for um, Leah to even sleep with Joseph, uh, with Jacob, she had to pay Rachel. At some point, you would find her giving grapes to her sister so she could have the man for the night. And they were not just two sisters in tension for the same man, they were also their nannies. So Jacob had extended his generosity and had taken to himself Zilba and Bilba. And those ones also had sons. So at the time Jacob, Joseph went to take food, Leah's sons were not there. It was actually the sons of Ziba and maybe there's a sense that Leah was, maybe Joseph would be cousins to, brother and cousin, I don't know how to explain it, to the other guys. Maybe there would have been a bit of tension, but this is what it is. When we find the life of Joseph having dreams, the first time he had a dream, Joseph went to his brothers and started to spit out the dreams. And one of the first things that you notice there, you would think that dreams should come to the mature. But in this story, we find that God alters dreams in everyone. So the dreams in our hearts are altered by God. And God, God altering a dream in your heart is not tied to your maturity. So the dreams of your life is not tied to you. It's not a function of maturity. It's not because you are mature, you cannot dream. But there is a sense that God, out of his generosity, said, I will give you a dream. And Joseph incubated that dream. And somehow we find his being a bit flippant about it. Not everything that you said to you, not everything that God has entrusted to you is for post. Some things are actually meant to be kept. Now, we understand that a dreamer's journey is not a linear journey. But somehow, when God gave him the dreams, God hid some things from him. I wonder why God did not tell him, a point will come in your life, you have to be in the pit. A point will come in your life, you have to be in the prison. A point will come into your life, you have to be betrayed. But I want us somehow to talk about the stages in our lives when we were born into dreams, or when we were born with dreams, and just even talk about the family dynamics. Now, just Joseph was betrayed by the very people that should love him the most. He was actually betrayed, sold as a slave. And at the time, slavery was not a very popular concept, except you have a reason to go into slavery. Two reasons why, or two ways you end up a slave. Your father is owing somebody and cannot pay. They will give you as a slave to go and work out your father's debt. The second way you, you, you go into slavery is that a stronger country comes and conquer your country, and you guys are now taken into slavery. But in this particular case, we did not find any conquest of a family. We did not find any debt that Joseph was, uh, Jacob was owing. We just found hatred. They would say to themselves, here is a dreamer, the dreamer is coming, right? But when God does something, when God gives you a dream, one thing I've come to realize is that that dream is an invitation for an adventure. And so what I must say to you here, I don't know what dreams God have altered in your heart and in your life concerning this nation, concerning your career, but dreams are given by God and they are part of the seeds of his core. Part of what is keeping a country in where it is is because there are no dreamers to steward the prophetic. Every dreamer is a prophet in disguise because God calls to you and then what God does in you is that he, he actually wires into you the womb of a nation. So that's why he's saying in Jewel, there was a powerful prayer Jewel was praying that in the last days, God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. But when we see that the manifestation of the spirit was that people will start to dream again. He says, my sons and my daughters will see vision. My sons will dream. Even the old people will start to see. Because one of the return of the spirit, the activations of the spirit in our heart, is to conceive the ideas of God in our spirit. So when God calls you, somehow he gives you a seed, but he doesn't give you the blueprint all the time. Because it unfolds. Maybe if Joseph, what if Joseph had seen himself in the pit? Would he have gone on, the, on that journey? If Joseph had seen himself in the prison, would he have gone on that journey? And so what we must understand is, as you have a dream, hold space for the adventure. And I want you to hold space that the adventure may not always be tidy. Some days you wake up in that morning of the adventure and you realize that everything around you seems to be falling apart or going wrong. But if we understand that the crisis and the challenges of our lives are not always about God punishing us for something we have failed to do. It's not that you're always in a disobedience and therefore your life is not producing. It's that even in that moment, God is about to reveal. What we find in 39, that while Joseph was even in prison, God was with him. When he was in the pit, God was with him. The union life of God does not end because we're in crisis. In fact, it is revealed in the crisis. 
So we must first of all understand that every part of your Christian experience, the good days, the not so good days are there to mature you, to bring you more into the fullness of that which you're called to do. But if we must understand this, when God gives us that dream, that dream is now a journey that you must begin. So think about it. Being, what, is your, what is your own experience? Maybe some of you think that the tunic, the multicolored pattern that Jacob gave to him, that was not just speaking of fashion. That was a metaphor for something. And every one of us today in this room have been adored with a multicolored suit from God himself. Joseph is a typology of us in the New Testament. Every one of us is a typology of Christ. He's also a typology of us. So, you know, when the scripture reads that Jacob I have loved, Esau I have hated, some people will say, oh, God really loves us. We are the ones making it. The others are not making it. No, we are all just Jacobs. We are all Joseph. So, in the context of interpretation of the gospel, look for what is Christ and find yourself in that place. Locate yourself in Christ. Locate yourself. And if Joseph is a typology, you're not Reuben. You are found in Joseph. That's actually the interpretation. If not, the Old Testament will be a trigger. Right? There is a word I, I, I keep telling people when you interpret the Bible. We call it polyphonic. Polyphonic means that there are many voices speaking. And in that context of polyphonic, when you read the Bible, there are voices, there are, sometimes there's even a press statement. Sometimes it's a constitution. The Bible in itself is a multi-genre book. So you find that at some point, um, um, David was giving his psalms. At some point, songs of Solomon, there were songs there, right? When you look at Proverbs, Proverbs was like a, a collection of thoughts of a man to his son. When you look at um, the songs of Solomon on Ecclesiastics, Ecclesiastics is just a weird scripture. Solomon was confused that year. He had, he had done all kinds of things. He had married all kinds of women. He had, he had been with all kinds of gods. So at that point, he was just speaking very there was wisdom in it but the wisdom has really gone through years right there were so many things happening in him so when you look at the the ten commandments it was a constitution given to a nation so what we must understand that the entire bible in and of itself is actually 1000 years 44 authors of unveiling the revelation of god now there was something i said yesterday that every time we hold the bible we must read it through the lens of christ so we don't need to rewrite the bible we need to reread it nothing should be taken out everything needs to be reread and you find yourself in christ but dial back to joseph the man with the dream caught up someday with his brother going around with his tunic. now what i can tell you our parents or our brothers and our sisters our neighborhood wherever we grew up the culture the environment may not necessarily have sold you into slavery when you look at it on the surface because you're still bearing your Sunday. But what about if I tell you that it did sell you into slavery? And I'll show you how. What I must first of all establish here is that when we talk of slavery, slavery is a system of thinking that the culture invites us to behold about ourselves. Slavery is a system of thinking that strips us off our beauty, our, our everything that we are, your confidence, your worth. So when you go through a culture that strips you off your beauty, your worth, you're being deprived. That is a Joseph in the moment. That's actually Joseph's moment. So he's, whatever your parents may have said harsh words to you that took away your confidence, took away your, your ability to dream, took away your sense of even backhand compliments. It's usually one of those. Let me tell you about a culture that at least I know a bit of. The Igbo culture. Igbo culture is so very rooted in performance. There are two words. If you are really, really, a, there's something they call omekanaya. Do you know what that is? Yeah, omekanaya. Like it's you have to you have to act like a father. So the point is that there are shoes to fill, and you are born, and the pressure is on you that fill those shoes. There's even another one. Um, uh, omekanaya. Give me more. Yes, that one. Like, yeah, you, you are like your dad. So, if your father cannot be the man that is making A's in school, and you're all C's. You understand? So what we find is that we went through, we may not know, but unfortunately we find Joseph in an environment where though his father's love was there for him, but everything around him took away the father's love. And the brothers did not support anything. They said when they see him coming, they could not find it in themselves to speak kindly towards him. So they took away your tunic. How is it that life has taken away your tunic? Do you know what your tunic is? 
it has taken away that which you should know about yourself. Now you feel inadequate. Now you don't feel enough. Now you can't actually come to life. Now you can't show up. Whenever you come to life, people are saying, I need a volunteer to write something. You can't write. You write, but you can't read it. You read, but you can't write it. In fact, your life is an entire capture. It's almost like you are taking one step forward, two steps backwards, because something has been stripped off you. Betrayal by those who should love you the most. Those who are meant to form, help you form, strip you naked and throw you out. That is a slavery moment in your life. When you come away from sonship and you become a slave, a slave is not working to perform, working to end. And we find ourselves in that situation, every one of us, when we wake up in a culture that is telling us you are not enough. When you wake up in a culture that is telling you you have to prove your worthiness. That is the slavery mindset at work. The slave card is the pretty much all there is. All of humanity has one problem, separation. From the truth of who they are, separation from God, separation from the source. And once you're rooted in separation, everything else comes to help you get back to where you used to be. So when we begin from separation, if you know that I'm separate from God, everything I need to do is to bridge the gap and find God. And so in the context of our culture, even in the, in the Christian experience, we need to reintroduce the gospel, not as a separation model, but as a union model. We keep talking about it. But we find Joseph losing all that he is, his tunic. Now he ends up in the pit. They sold him to slavery. He ends up in a different man's house. He gets framed again by that. And you'll be wondering, if God loves this man, if God gives dreams, why is God getting him into trouble? I don't know why you're where you are. I don't know why you are the only one in Lagos who is homeless. I don't know why you're the only one in Lagos without a job. I don't know why you're the only one in Lagos without a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I don't know why, but I know this is much is true. God doesn't leave or forsake you when you go through those things. I wish I could tell you that God being with you means that you won't go through crisis. I wish I could tell you that with God being with you means that everything you need at any point in time you find it. But guess what? This is what I know that even in the darkest moments of your life, you'll find the hand of God working through you. What if Joseph had woken up and said, you know what? This party is over. I've lost my tunic. Therefore, I'm going to take matters into my hands. And then he gets into Potiphar's house. So like this God, I trusted him. He gave me a dream. I didn't ask him for the dream. And now, I'm the chief servant. Do you know some people arrive at Potiphar's house and in that moment, nobody can talk to them again. Just a little bit of victory. You, 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 you assistant, assistant slave, pick that food. No, because the Bible actually said of Joseph, Potiphar gave him the entire house to run. So when you begin to see a man who is not rooted in who he is in God, he will begin to then behave. See, the proof of love is how you treat people. The revelation of how you are to God is seen in how you love others. So Joseph would have walked around saying, do just be commanding everybody. My brothers, you kneel down, do that. Do you know what it is? Many people got to Potiphar's house and got stuck. They never arrived. In fact, some people never left the pit. When they threw them there, they are in that pit. What is the pit moment? And I need us to reflect over it. A pit is the moment of your life when you are just trapped in the place. The, you know, the, the, the Bible said that the, the description of the pit was that there was no way, there was no ladder out there. It was, somebody had to use rope to pull you out. So this pit, you are in the place of helplessness. And helplessness is learned. Let me explain what I mean. Powerlessness is learned. Helplessness is learned. Our culture has a way of teaching us, educating us in helplessness. So suddenly, an average Nigerian is waiting for the government to do everything for them. Because we have never had a very serious government, we actually think that our problem is government. And I can tell you, if you have that exaggerated idea that all we need is a president that can do work, the day you wake up and realize the president is there, there's still problem. You realize that is not the answer. So you cannot continue to look at it, but helplessness is when you wake up one day, your uncles and your aunties didn't help you, and that's why you're where you are. I can, can I challenge you that you can never hold anybody responsible for where you are? You should never be the kind of person saying they didn't come through for me. In fact, you blocked all your friends who didn't show up the last time. Don't put a burden on others to be to help you deliver anything. God didn't do that. My point is that that is a pit, and many people are still digging a hole even in a pit. You can't show up and you're 25 and you're still complaining about what your dad did. He didn't send you to Bereton or to Sorry School. You understand? Say, if the Bereton would have changed my life. No, sorry, babe. You didn't make it to Bereton, but it's okay now. Where did you go? 
oro mi reke or where is that igbo se ayobo like where is that faibole you understand you know that some 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 schools that when you hear them said even you don't want to say it you understand so one of my friends told me recently he got appointed into one very interesting board in the US so everybody came there when they were now introducing themselves this one I went to university of um, I went to Harvard you know and they were like oh you were not set again they said oh I was in O24 so everybody was going around they say yeah well I I was in Oxford I was like, that's amazing um you know I was in Princeton oh you were interesting you know when he got to his own he said I was in I was in UI <laughs> but he didn't unpack he didn't unpack the eye So somebody now said, "Oh, is that University of Indianapolis or something like that?" He said, "Ibadan." They found themselves trying to figure out where it was on the map. He said, "Oh, don't worry. It's um, of course it's one of the best from Africa, you know." But my point is, you can find yourself in the place where before you, everybody now returns you, but you. And you're thinking, okay, but what university again? Well, my master's was in um, UK, right? You could just easily start feeling low self-esteem because. There was no coat. These coat of many colors were sticking when you were a child. See, God, God gave every one of us that coat of many colors, but it was a metaphor for us knowing that we came with enough. It was a metaphor of the deposit of His. It was a symbol of His approval and His blessing on your life. And that coat of many colors is restored in Christ for all of us. But if you go to life looking for your tunic from the wrong places, you will not find. Tunics are not given from the broken places. They can give you something that is even torn. But the real thing is, God makes God is the one that gives us the tunic. The tunic is the is the splendor of His glory and His love and everything around you. You come to life knowing that you carry that beauty, you carry that essence. So every one of us that have gone through a pit season, we know that the pit season is not the final. But the pit season should never be where you lose hope. And in the pit season, I can tell you that sometimes it's it's tough. So I meet people in their pit season. They'll tell me that they're still dealing with mental health issues. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't tell them, <laughs> brother, sit down, sit down. You said you're still, you're still, you're still having anxieties. How is it coming to you, brother? You're responsible for your life, brother. Let me tell you, you are not. You're supposed to be. You're supposed to be dealing with these demons. <laughs> no, do you know the real thing? A pit moment, oftentimes the person is helpless. Anxiety may not always be their choice. Nobody chooses depression like that, too. You understand? Like you will be thinking, when oh, you as a pastor, you come into a Pentecostal camp, I'm like, brother, see, depression. I last saw it in 1998 when I started speaking in tongues, because tongues and depression cannot live together. Brother, brother, thank you that you have reached there. But can you and I understand that some people are just in that moment of their lives where they are in the pit? And in this pit for them, your response to the anxiety is not to sweep it under the rug or to trivialize it or to invalidate their pain. It's not to disqualify their feelings as something that does not exist. That moment in your life, people don't understand it. So if you are preaching a pulpit message for a pit person, you're missing the point. What Jesus Christ did for us was enter pit. And in the moment of entering the pit, he wasn't waiting for you to climb out and tell you, no, no. He knew that you were not going to climb out. He was going to climb in. So we don't need to climb. We don't need to be telling people, "I'm out." Or not. Having someone tell you about their struggle is not for you to celebrate how you are not, how your own has well is well put together. Somebody is telling you about, but that's another thing. But there's also the pit, pit friends, and be careful for the pit, pit friends. You know, the pit friends just like um, my my boss in the office. Eh? That that man is is a boss from hell. You mean I'm your own? Like in that moment, you're adding your own. You're, so the now is is which boss bad boss? Somebody just tell you of a little little heartbreak. Like you know that my ex, I was gonna pray for him, but um, I clearly need to um, just seek the face of the Lord because I want I want God to deal with him. And that was you now someone was like, I have a a prophet. He, he, the axes are sorted. You understand? You don't need to be carrying someone's picture to go and look for a wally. But pit friends are the kind you meet, and if you tell them, "I've been in between jobs for two years," they say, "My brother, in this country, everyone that has made it is a G boy." Let me explain to you. Don't be wasting your time. I'm telling you how the thing is. Some of them are doing corporate, corporate. Everybody's G. Everybody's G. And you are not thinking about. 
Am I coming out of this thing? <laughs> they have, they've messed you up that time. Your mind is now already, they, they are not, they've increased your helplessness. So in your own moment, you are thinking, not Tamina. He said, what do you make again? 2 1. You see, if two people will make first class, never see work. You now with 2 1. And me now with 2 2. God has to help us. See, the pit is easy for you to gravitate towards pit people. And many times, many advocacy groups are association of pit friends. Like, they also come together at Baby Mama Association, like, you know, all the... You know, it, was, it was supposed to work out, but it didn't work out, and everybody's not... You know, trust me, what you, when you find in those places, they'll be feeding your fears. You understand? When they come, they said, I see it from afar, and you realize when you begin to bond in, the, in those traumas, you never really come out. Pit is so dangerous. Pit is never meant to be there. Unfortunately, we, we, most of us have been through the pit. But don't build your castle in the pit. You're not meant to pitch your tent in the pit. To pitch your tent in the pit is to get comfortable with all that is uncomfortable about you. It's to now paddy up with the lies and the untruth about you. You cannot begin to go around with a clutch saying, I'm not enough. This is who I am. You understand? And when you meet all those guys who are serial killers, they'll tell you, well, somebody that's how somebody came and killed my father. So I grew up, I, know I didn't have father. So now that I didn't have father, now the world has to feel what it's like not to have father. So he has killed like five men. You understand? And that is not what it is. So when you come out of your pit season, sometimes people climb out of the pit season, but they never have their coats back. So they manage to get out and get a job, but they never show up with confidence. They manage to do that, but only you in a relationship. You are in a, you're out of the pit, but you are still in the pit. And so every time the person doesn't pick your coat, you know, if you are dating somebody, and any person said, um, how do you know you love me? No, 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 you got the right exam. Because the person, the tunic left, the, the coat of many colors was removed when they were seven. So now, now you the right exam, say, so when you tell, you know, I, I, I've been there, show the, the exam I was writing, I said, I was going to say, how do you know you love me? So here is the trick. If I say, you know, I know that I love you because of the way that I feel um, when I'm with you. She goes like, oh, it's about the feelings. So that answer doesn't quite work. So I have to, I have to dial back that answer. So I don't go that. Because I'll say, you know, I say, you know, having recognized the feelings, I made a decision to love you. She said, oh, there's a decision now. Because if you don't, if you don't mention feelings, say, you know, I just know that we could work it out. I like, I, 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 you know, it's a, it's a, it's a love of the will. Uh, and the person like, is there an attraction or something like that? So you have to put attraction and will join. No. So that was, even when I answered, I said, you know, I, I know that love. She said, what is love? So I, I realized that, no, no, no. It was, it was, it was, the, the exams were many. But before long, I, I realized that, no, I realized that, no, it was every day. So I'm not, if it, it, one month into the relationship, we are still doing this thing. Two more, but every, the reassurance, now I realize some people need to be reassured, though, quite frankly. But I would say to put the burden of reassurance on the man. No, you have to make that. You have to try. You have to try. But yes, you have to, we have to reassure. But this is what we teach here. What do we teach? That you already have your coat of many colors by God. It's not stripped away anymore. So you come to the table. Yes, when there's reassurance, it's fine. But don't solicit it. You understand? Yes. The, no, it's no request. Because at the end of the day, if you are requesting, you have to allow yourself to feel that sense of completion first. If you are soliciting it so that you feel complete, even the guy will play you. I'm sorry about that. But he may not even be it, but because he knows that you are going to ask, he's going to, he's going to be telling you. Do you know, I, there was one of the, one of somebody that came and told me, her boyfriend doesn't say I love you. He's always struggling. So I said, and I said, but the guy is supposed to try now. You're supposed to be learning to use it. You understand? So the, at the end of the day, the guy said it's not that like he, he likes it, but it's not always easy. You understand? Like he has to just so he does he like he does show it in gifts, like do actions. I said no, you have to improve because him that is not saying it, there is also a pit somewhere. You understand? Both the sayer and the sayer just happen to not have the whole rest. But in a wholesome relationship, right? 
you come to a point where I'm not going to mitigate my affection, my flow of affection for my other person because I'm feeling like, oh, some people will daggle affection because they know that you need it. So before long, you know, the girl's like, I'm not, I, I, I greet me now. No, no, no. Um, it's, it's, it's any small thing, problem. Relationship should be a home and a safe space. It should never be a place where the person is afraid of coming to because as they see you now, the first thing now, were we not supposed to be here for 8.30? And you sent me, you sent me when after I've left my office that you'll be 15 minutes late. You understand? Yeah. Or the person's phone now dies. My point is, if you and I, I really wish I could tell you that half the people would date will show up without having been to the pit. I really wish I could tell you that. But you will meet them. You will love them. They will love you. Just make room for their healing. So that you have some peace. You understand? So that you have some peace. Because once you start to expect from somebody without a tunic, no cloth again. They took the tunic. <laughs> so at the end of the day, no. They took the, they stripped the coat of many colors, carried it, put it in this thing, threw it in. His mother did it. You understand? So at the end of the day, you you be you, some 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 people are coming from a place where the burden of performance was on them, and we would meet Joseph further down the line when Joseph reunited with his brother. It was such a complex scene. First of all, he will weep, he will cry like a baby, he will come and set them up like nobody's living today. In fact, you everybody enter 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 enter. Like, have you seen people going through their healing? It's complex. Allow them grief. It's part of the healing. So he wept. After weeping, he went and put money back inside the bag. No, the, Joseph, Joseph was confusing everybody. First, he said, he said, okay, and nobody, one person must stay. Simon, he helped Simon. The other ones were going. They saw money in their bag. They all started crying. This man will kill us today. He said they should go and bring their last brother. That one came. He carried that one, put money inside that one bag. That one stole my golden cup. You know, healing can be messy. Sometimes you don't understand what script they are playing. But please, if you love enough, let's also make room for those who are healing. Some days, healing can be... If they would, only them would throw tantrum, it's okay. They are healing. Okay. I wasn't very wise though. Some days, when I meet tantrums, I don't say, listen, I have enough. I used to tell my people that I, enjoy, I enjoyed enough civil war. <laughs> yes, I, I joined one association. Mental health, we are advocating for mental health. But I realized, no, the moment I joined the association, things even became more complex. Though. Because even me, any small meeting for office, mental health, too. Yes. Like, in fact, do you know, Lagos became unlivable. Only, only me started saying, this is not good for my mental health. Because the moment you enter, I guess what, what I just remember, I me we go, me we grow for portacot with mental health. The the threshold of mental health. You go. There was there was a we leave them. There was there was no killing. You understand? You a whole street don't fight. People don't shoot gun bottle, and you just survive. Just like wow. like so. You tell you you tell you that you don't happen. I the bullet passed in front of me. He passed in front of me. Ah, you should have gone out. Why did you go out, man? I dodged one. It was close to my own goal. Like. But suddenly, when you reach Lagos, oh, this is just too much for the mental health. Like, remember ye where you were. <laughs> so all these people that are mental health advocates right now, we know, we know. You fought all your neighborhood people. Look, there was a, only in primary school, secondary school, the teachers were saying, call me your dad. Call me your mom. Tomorrow, come with somebody. Call both parents, right? And now you're now saying, I don't have time for mental health. So you were the mental health hazard. But the point again is, just put yourself in Joseph's situation, right? All that he had to live through. Sometimes the words are the way we lost our tunic. Sometimes the abandonment and the rejection are the way we lost our tunic. I even told you guys that the other day I went to Jordan School to attend one event. And I just, I just felt I was doing a favor. I just felt like I was here today. <laughs> Lily has to give me something for this gest gesture. But I'm as much a parent as she is. But somehow the culture tells me that it's women, and out of that time, now let me be the man or two. Or just somebody come as they go. 
but mostly you find a lot of women involved in raising children because the culture took away something from us and if the men are not there to love right to raise well we will be deficient so many people are struggling with deficiencies that in their upbringing that was not even something God inflicted it was just what it is unfortunately our parents were not perfect you know I told you guys some of our parents know how to give backhand compliments so they just said you are supposed to be smart for the stupidity of your life and so at the end of the day the only thing they tell us that please don't get any girl pregnant because that's how you become a mechanic because no more school you know it was all the kind of thing and any girl that goes out once you get married you turn to second hand nobody's going to marry you again like everything was always about fear fear and if, especially if you go up on university campus university campus all the, all the children of lecturers were involved in competition with themselves because the pride of their first class the first class was the pride of the parents oh your son was the best writing in uh, uh, mechanical no, no, not mechanical entire engineering please let's be clear you know so yes because you cannot just reduce it into one department somebody that conquered all but my point is you don't find people coming to life seeking to perform and then we carry this thing into work you know there are days when it is okay to take a break from work it's okay for you to say at this season of my life I want to pull back from work so that I can spend time our lives are not measured by productivity our entire life in Lagos is a burnout life our entire work is our life is designed for work because we learnt it when they took the tunic they programmed into you that work ye so you can be worthy but God comes to us giving us his word saying you're worthy without God doesn't need anything from you to claim that you're worthy this culture tells us you attain worthiness you achieve worthiness but the gospel says you are declared worthy in Christ therefore you need not achieve can we see the tension so if you're a Christian here and because you didn't get that high paying job and your friend got it you are now not worthy of love you miss the point because that job is not the measure of your worth that they didn't give you visa and you're still in Nigeria doesn't mean that God has forsaken you Sister, God is always with you, even more so. So can we realize that expectations are resentment making to happen? Many desires that we are plagued with are acquired desires. They are copied desires. They have, I want. Live your life. Don't let, don't suffer double jeopardy. You, 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 you lost your childhood and now you're losing your life. You're losing your adulthood. Right? And many people have self-inflicted pressure and shame. This is an introduction to Joseph. But by the time we begin to drill into every moment of his life, even when he got into the point in Potiphar's house, that's an entire story. Because in Potiphar's house, there was a mixture of, there was a pseudo-freedom that comes with being in Potiphar's house. So you think you sort of like arrived, and many people lose it in that point in time. When he got to the prison, it was another dark night of the soul. And while going through the prison season of his life, Joseph kept saying, this is why I'm still a child of God. I will not do anything against God. We must keep our reference on Christ and on God. When he didn't sin against Potiphar, he kept it. The only reason why he could be concerned with his brothers was because he knew that God did not forsake him. Genesis 50 verse 20 is so interesting. You know what the Bible says there? Let's look at it. They meant it for evil, but God turned it around for good. Everything that happened in your life, maybe it was meant for evil. If you do want to read it, Genesis 50 verse 20. Now, this is where we want to draw the curtain. If Joseph said this, as for you, you meant it for evil, God turned it around for good. Can we bring that thinking into everything else we do? Can you look at the jobs you didn't get, at the contracts you didn't get, at the exes that didn't see the awesomeness? <laughs> can, you, can you now say it for what it is? They meant it for evil, but God turned it around for good. You have no reason to be bitter over somebody who didn't see the awesomeness. Re release. Because to hold them ransom is to keep yourself in the pit. Pit is unforgiveness. It's that place where your life has become the sum total of all that have wronged you. That is the pit. But do you know there is a, an interesting similarity between Jesus and Joseph? What was the first one? Anyone? Eh? Yeah? 
<laughs> okay, he said the similarity, the first similarity between Joseph and Jesus was isolation. What betrayal? Betrayed by his own kinsmen. How much did they sell Jesus for? How much did they sell Joseph for? So there was change day. No. Yeah. But so there was, there was betrayal. Has anybody been betrayed here? Has anybody been betrayed? That was that's collective betrayal. You know, there was the, there was a part when they asked the, the president that what are you doing about job creation? Nigerian young people they don't have jobs. The man said, if they behave themselves, they will see work. If you behave yourself, work with them. So behave yourselves. But at the end of the day, there are more there are more similarities between Joseph and Jesus. Let me give you some of the mysteries there. If Joseph was not around, could it possibly be that nobody would have been able to see the dream of Pharaoh? There's a possibility. There's a possibility. But what did Joseph, Jacob, tell his sons before when he sent them to Egypt? He said, go to Egypt so that you can go and buy me food before we die here. Because I hear that there's the entire world, there was only food in Africa. Let's join ourselves. <laughs> they, they had to come to Africa. Everybody had to come to Africa to buy for us. <laughs> right. But guess what? They, they could have died in hunger and if the, the famine was severe. But somehow, one man's, through one, one man's sacrifice and one man's vision, the world was preserved. The world was preserved. In Jesus' death, burial and resurrection, humanity is preserved. He suffered all he suffered, so we will not have to go through that again. So we find that similarity that God came, Jesus was in his, in his death. They meant it for evil. And when they were killing him, they thought they were silencing the work of... They were very satisfied that today this man dies. Because this guy has messed up everything that they believed. He has messed up everything that they believed. And so he had to die. But they did not know that in his death would be the greatest life that would burst forth on the scenes. They did not know that by killing him, it's the brothers of Joseph thought by selling him to slavery, they would forever silence the coat of many colors. They took that which was his beauty and his gift and made a, made a, made a death kneel out of it, sent it to their father in blood, saying, your son is gone, your son is dead, forget him, he's buried, let's move on. The father said, I was going to, I'm going to mourn him for the rest of my life. I will not give up on my son. Right, but my point is they strip him and that was not enough. The coat of many colors was taken. He was thrown into the pit and they were like, he's still alive. He shouldn't be. He just dropped a single. He shouldn't have. And they stalk your page. He's still alive. She's still alive. And, and they said, no, the, the pit won't do. We need to get him out of our sight. In fact, they were going to kill him. It was somebody, it was Judah. It was it Reuben or Judah? No, Reuben has gone somewhere. Reuben came back, right? It was without Reuben. Judah was like, let's knock him, let's throw him into the pit. Reuben was like, let's Kukuma sell him. And then they cashed out. You understand? At the end of the day, they cashed out. But at the, Baba, it was as if they couldn't stand the sight of the dreamer. If your dream does not resent people, sometimes I doubt that it's from God. Everything that God gives you will threaten people. And unfortunately, it's not because they only threaten because they don't know who they are. So they are threatened by you because they are intimidated by that which you remind them of themselves. You are an invitation for them to become. But they would rather take you out than me. So we are no small people. And there are no small dreams. So can you get comfortable that sometimes I wish I could tell you all around, you know, we are called to walk in love. Love, we are, you're beloved, you're loved, you're loved. Oh, belovedness. I wish I could tell you that you meet belovedness everywhere. Yeah, yeah, so you're walking beloved. Somebody's matching your shoe. Right? At the end of the day, because they need to humble you. 
this belovedness is not, it's not, it's not. And then even those that are really rooted in religion will threaten you the most. They'll tell you that you guys are trying to make this God look at. See, do you, do you, how many hours do you pray? Do you even know, do you even know, ah, the consuming fire? I say, yeah, God is a consuming fire. But you know how we interpret it? There's scriptures in the Bible that describe the love of God as a consuming fire. Burn us, Lord. Yes, burn us. But God is the only fire that will burn you and you'll see gold come out of the flame. Yeah. All that God is, is good. Even the fire. No go touch devil fire. My ashes are. That fire of devil, they roast people. Make you a kebab or suya. But that which is God takes the rough and makes it a diamond. So when you when you go through seasons, just like be okay with your father's warmth. If as somebody described it that the hell of God to those who don't know him is like is like fire. But to those who know him is like warmth. Now those who know his love, it becomes like warmth. You're going through a season where you're losing contract, losing jobs. The love of God is like warmth. But to those who don't know God, ah now wow, they need something more. God is good. Out of death came life. And that was what we must understand. Everything in your life that was meant for evil is for good. The things that doesn't look tidy is for good. You were posted to Lagos. It's for good. Don't be going around saying, I don't like Lagos. I don't belong here. No, no, no. Call the city by name. So, you know, in the season we're talking about that God has a dream for Africa. There's a prophetic word that God is speaking over the land. Now, the battle of Africa, what is happening in Nigeria is less about a, city, a nation, but it's more about a continent that God has put on his agenda. So what God is going to be doing in the next season, God will be calling you to dream. And the dreams God will instill in your heart will not be dreams for, for, uh, for Lakwe and Adegmole. It will be global. You understand? It's not just like that. What God will call us to do, trust me, tonight and for the in this season, many of you will start seeing the expansion of your being. That you begin to see yourself expanding to spaces you've never been before. Because God is calling you into partnership to birth a new continent. Even in music and in sound, God is calling you to birth a new continent. Even in terms of how, how, how fashion is done, God is calling you to birth a new continent. To bring people into the beauty of God. God has put us here for such a time as this. This is your time. Like, don't make a mistake. Me, I'm just walking in my core. Enjoy myself. Going next, in the next month, I'll never be in Nigeria. I'm just going, signing deals. So those people that are like, I'm a full-time pastor. Do full-time pastor. You understand? Do your own. But in the marketplace, there is a call, a distinct call upon your life to pioneer something and to demonstrate the life of God. The Spirit of God is a pioneering spirit. And it says there's a spirit in man that is the inspiration is of the Lord. And God calls you to dream tonight. God is staring at your heart, calling you to see the beauty again that is in you. He's restoring the coat of many colors. For many of us that have lost our tunic, God is saying, take your tunic. And that's why the prodigal son was a very, very interesting story. Because when the guy got back, what you find is that God was putting a signet ring on his hand, was putting a sandal on his feet, and was covering him up again because God covers us. The salvation God was about God bringing us back to a place where we always were, that we are once again in Him. No, nothing missing, nothing broken. You're complete, you're not inadequate. You're complete, you're not missing. You're complete, you're not incomplete. Everything about you is already in God. You don't come to God needing, you come to God manifesting because God has given you all things. Everything in this life, you must understand, if you don't come from your worthiness, you will always produce fear. So give yourself the permission to allow the gospel to be the truth in your life. If God has called you worthy, let that be true of you and let every man be a liar. If God has called you complete, let that be true of you. Let every man be a liar. Your anxieties, your fears, your mental health is okay. But I can tell you that the God has given us the greatest help, the Holy Spirit. And even tonight, Holy Spirit comes to dwell. He's our present help in time of what? Need. You are not without help. God left that which is himself inside of us. I want us to pray tonight. And whatever you're picking, whether you're picking the points where God is saying, I'm staring my dreams in your heart, or where God is saying, I'm staring it, I'm staring it. Or for you, it's more about you. God is restoring your sense of confidence. He's restoring your sense of 
your ability to dream, your ability to see vision, your ability to tell tell times. God is saying, I am bringing you back into a, a, a period in your life where you'll be celebrated, where you're not going to be lost, but you're constantly going to be celebrated. God is saying that I'm letting the lines fall in pleasant places. I'm letting the lines fall in pleasant places that you will see your godly heritage, that God is staring in your heart again. God is bringing sights, your ability to see, your ability to, to see, your ability to see. God is opening the eyes of your understanding tonight. Oh yeah, of molestation and abuse and rape he has pulled us out out of the dungeons of depression abandonment and rejection he pulled us out drawn by his love drawn to our father by his love there is no more rejection there is no more abandonment tribelagos.com or email us at hello at the tribelagos.com follow us on instagram facebook and twitter on the tribe lagos god bless